Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. And welcome to Tuesday. Whoop, whoop. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hope everybody's doing well and prepping for Greece or not going to Greece like me and Leah. Correct. <laughs> It'll be number two on the three race series of Spartan. Tahoe's down. Greece is up next, followed by Sweden. So we will the see next how week. things shake down. Yeah, the, the very next, next week. week. Um. So, yeah, we're going to see what happens in Greece, possible, you know, changes and and people kind of shaking things up. And after this weekend, we'll kind of know what's what's coming at us for Sweden and what the goals are going to be. You know, it's um, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of out of Greece, because it kind of sets the theme for Sweden. then, Agreed. And then the knockout drag out that will be. Sweden. <laughs> it will be awesome. So it's I am looking forward to be it. Great. As always, we've got a. Whoop, oh, go we're ahead. gonna go there. We're going there. Well, we're going there. We okay, gotta go drop there. Drop it. Drop <laughs> it. As always, y'all, our episode is brought to you today by Vanga CBD. Um, exciting news in the OCR community as more and more athletes are discovering Vanga. Um, VJ had a story on there today. As a matter of fact, you know, toting the the Vanga goodies, um, check them out at vangacbd.com slash brocr. And as always say, 15% off with the code brocr, um, either the soft gels, the bomb, or the first aid gummies can't go wrong. You know, we are doing a follow-up here in a few weeks. Um, two, so our, one of our very first episodes on brocr was talking about CBD oil. Yeah, we and had was, the Vanga boys was, on. Well, well done. Yeah, we had the Vanga boys on, Jay and Dave, and they answered a ton of questions. And since then, they've kind of, you know, become more and more prominent on the scene. We are going to welcome them back. And if you guys have any specific questions for them, drop it to us before that. Yeah, we want to we'll talk CBD sure, with them. Yeah, we'll be sure to get your questions out and get you some answers. You know, I got to work with them at Tahoe this year and mm-hmm. did the booth for a while. And it was amazing how busy they were yep um it was just it was insane how many people were coming up with questions and wanted to know more about it i was sitting there with ben greenfield for a while um and they knew their stuff yep they so, were happy like to said, bestow that on you yeah so if you have those questions drop them to us we will you know explore it with them when we have them on in a couple weeks but this week this week's a long episode guys so like, get strapped into the chair or the treadmill, wherever you're at. Get ready for your long run. We have our personal coach, Dennis Welch of the Endurance Project, joining us. Um, we have also had Dennis on here before. 
Um, we'll probably have him on again. Well, I'm sure we will. You guys <laughs> like him and you guys like training tips um, and training discussions. So we brought him on to discuss the end of the season. We've just mentioned Sweden and World's Toughest is coming. So for those of you who are preparing for those races, listen up. And for those of you who are not going to those races, enjoy your off season and listen up to the back half of the episode while we talk about preparing for next year and drop a bomb on you guys about Spartan championships. We've got some special info. Anyway, without further ado, let's go to Dennis. And we are here with our great coach, Dennis Welch, um, who's my coach, but I'm getting ready to go back to his coaching. Dennis, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis has been coaching both of us, part of the Endurance Project, and we've had Dennis on an earlier episode and we're talking about training. And now as the season is winding down, it's, I think, important to kind of revisit training and how to approach it and what's important. So welcome back. So, thank Dennis, you, thank you. Dennis, you've had a lot of, um, you've had some bigger name athletes come under you here at kind of as the season's progressed. Um, yeah, well, somewhat. I mean, I, you know, started out the season, I was kind of working with Re- Rebecca Hammond for a bit, and then mm-hmm. we stopped working together, and she's working with Kim Nadu now, who's a great coach and uh, was a great athlete herself. And, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes, like, athletes just need, you know, the right person whoever that may be and i think for female athletes sometimes it just really helps that they have a a female coach you know and yeah um you know a couple years ago when i was coaching uh high school i had both teams now i just had the boys cross country team but i had boys and girls and i'll tell you it's it's tough and um (laughs) you know i'm raising a little girl now so i kind of got a good taste of what she's going to be like as a teenager i'm sure and um it's, it's just different. It's tough. And I imagine from a, a woman's standpoint, it's just tough to kind of, you know, go down that road in terms of picking the right coach, you know? It is. I mean, speaking speaking as a woman and speaking from someone who's had several different coaches, you know, it, it, it does play a different dynamic. I mean, that being said, though, you do have some pretty notable female athletes that are kind of crushing the scene this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, Alyssa Hawley being one, obviously, everybody knows her. Yeah. Um, sadly, she wasn't really able to capitalize on the season like we wanted. Um, I started working with her in March, and uh, a couple months after we started working together, she she kind of had an ongoing hip issue that she had even before she came to me, and it just kind of wasn't really getting any worse, but wasn't getting any better. And, yeah. you know, I kind of talked her into just kind of backing off and I think it worked out great for her, not just from the standpoint of recovery, but mentally. I mean, she was getting ready for a wedding. Um, she has a yep. full-time job. She's an owner of a gym out there with her dad in uh, Seattle, or I think Spokane is actually where she's yep, from. Spokane. Um, so, you know, she had a ton of stuff on her plate. And, you know, I think it was perfect timing for her to step back and, you know, right. not, not be so involved in just – I mean, you know how it is. You guys both are athletes and, you know, it's like it's tough to where are you going to carve out an hour today or two hours or whatever sure. it is. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to maybe compete in some of the shorter distance stuff, then you can get away with maybe less than an hour of work every day. But if you're training for something like Tahoe, I mean, you have no choice but to be out there for two hours a day most days, you know. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, speaking of the longer training, you know, as we are coming towards the end of the season, we've got several big races coming up. You know, obviously first, I mean, we've got Greece coming up first for the championships yep. for those, those, you know, mostly elite athletes that are targeting the, you know, the three win series. So you've got Greece coming, followed quickly there by, you know, Sweden one week later, and, Sweden. And yeah, Sweden's one week later and then world's toughest following that. So, you know, from a coaching perspective, I guess, you know, talking about athletes, whether it be elite or, you know, age group or open waivers, those of us, um, you know, that are preparing for those longer races, you know, what, where do you start as a coach? I mean, hopefully these people are, you know, not just starting their training, but where do you think the main <laughs> focus is at this point? I mean, sadly, some probably just are, but, um, <laughs> I mean, the oh my truth God. Is, the so you're, wait, 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 back up real quick. Are yeah. you saying right now that I can enter WTM and it's okay? <laughs> well, you can definitely enter it. I mean, all you got to do is sign up and pay your six hundred dollars, um, because that's probably what I'm going to do. But um, <laughs> the, the you know it's it's tough because I mean the truth is I mean it depends where your goals are. Obviously, I mean if you are just going out there to enjoy it, have fun, experience it, because um, I mean you can have a pretty good time at world's toughest and only do a few laps you know maybe do a few laps mm-hmm. in the daytime oh yeah hang out at night come back out the next day and you know i could imagine that's probably a lot of fun but if you're actually going out there with goals and with uh mileage goals especially um mm-hmm. i always say that you should really start true specific training about six months in advance um okay. i mean you should well, obviously you should definitely have been doing a lot before then so i mean it's not like you're just mm-hmm. coming into the game fresh but specific training probably the last three two to three months which is what you know most everybody in our group right now is doing yeah mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think we got 21 22 athletes doing world toughest this year and then two or three doing sweden so they're kind of on the same path and the same program right now because uh they're basically the same yeah it's similar race frame. yeah and similar race similar time frame you know, five mile loops, same type of stuff. So, um, conditions you know, will be slightly different. Yeah, <laughs> right. of course. Yeah. The conditions will be different. Um, <laughs> I mean, cold wise, it could be the same, but it's going to be, yeah. the, obviously the elevation is going to be way different at, uh, Sweden, but, um, you know, it's mainly just, you, you got to get that time in and you've got to get very comfortable getting out there regularly when you don't want to during training. Yeah, you know, three, four hours here, five, six there, maybe. I mean, I don't normally try to go over four or five hours in one single session. time frame yep. session for any of the athletes just because it takes too long to recover from. Agreed. Um, so I work more on the cumulative uh, fatigue side of things. Right. Now, I will say, is you know, being one of your athletes and having done, you know, World's Toughest and, and another 24-hour race, I've done, you know, several of them. I think that one point of emphasis that you do a good job kind of hammering home with the athletes that I think a lot of people, you know, may overlook is the importance of walking and fast walking, efficient walking. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, it sounds simple, like, oh, you got to go practice walking. But to truly become efficient at a 15 minute pace of a walk, I mean, it, it takes some time, but it makes a huge difference the night of. Well, you know, and that's a big thing that I try to tell people that, they, you know, if you're a runner, especially if you're a decent runner, 
if you tell somebody like, well, you need to get good at walking, they laugh at you. They think that you're just kind of being an idiot. But then I will say to a good athlete, I mean, I've got guys I, you know, came and said, I want to do World's Toughest or a sub three hour marathoner. I said, today's workout is you go out and maintain a 14, 15 minute mile pace walk for an hour. Mm -hmm. And they come back and they go, that kicked the shit out of me. Like it was actually super hard. And then the next day they go, I was sore all over. And because you're using different muscles, it's a different uh, economy and efficiency from a, you know, that standpoint, but it's hard to walk fast. I mean, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, like I try to tell everybody in a race like world's toughest and WTM, unless you're the very absolute best. And even then, you know, like a Ryan Atkins and Amelia Boones, those type of people, they probably walk, I'd say at least a good 25% of the race. And that's the top, top people. So, oh, yeah. you know, right. you're going to be out there walking a lot. So what I always say, my thing is walk before you have to. So basically get okay. good at walking and take calculated run, walk, break. So, you know, maybe you do two miles or maybe let's say you do a half a loop. You do 2.5 miles, nice running pace. And then maybe you just walk fast the whole half of the second loop, you know, or the back mm-hmm. half of the and get mm-hmm. very efficient at that. And when you do that, then obviously you're using different energy stores, but you're also not, you, you're waiting to reserve yourself. So like, if you have to walk, you're screwed. You know what I mean? Like once it gets to that right. point where you're forced to, you're kind of screwed. It's a death march then. Well, it allows you to pick your battles. Exactly. It allows you to find like, okay, after, after two or three laps of WTM, you figure out, okay, here's an area where I can open up, or okay, here's an area yeah. where I can I can get a little bit more work done because this is the kind of athlete that I am. And um like I know specifically for me at WTM last year, there was a there was a section um right after we did the big climb to ladder to hell. Mm-hmm. And I could open up there. It was this it was like this maybe three fourth of a mile downhill and I could cruise. And I was like, as soon as I get there, every single lap I'm going to cruise. And people would get – I was with people in the middle of the night that were freaking out because it was in the woods. Yeah. Right. And I loved it because I'm, I'm so used to the woods. I love being in the woods. Anytime I'm in the woods, I'm like, yeah, this feels like home. Well, and... I mean you can tell for sure the people that are comfortable with that in the middle of the night with the headlamps because mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's a part of training that a lot of people overlook is just getting – used to the light of a headlamp in the woods and being confident in your footing and moving at a decent pace. Well, and it's, but, but going back to it though. So there were other aspects of that race where I felt like when we went through the field after we were doing the lumberjack, I felt desolate. I felt like super exposed. And those were the times that I was just like, okay, I've got to hold it together. Mm-hmm. But it's different for every athlete, and knowing yourself kind of in that, I think, is is, is the big game. Yeah, for sure. And, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was saying, and, and you know, it's not knowing yourself is one aspect, but then, you know, just per, different parts of the course are like different. I mean, when when you know, I did World Service with Hunter and those guys uh, that year in 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, I was me and Mark Jones was the most experienced in terms of like overall like running and ultras and stuff whereas like mm-hmm. Gail and hunter hadn't done that kind of stuff yet and you know it was a big ego check for those guys when we were like 
we're walking the hills. And they're like, dude, let's run. And we're like, well, okay, well, we have to stay together. So uh, us two are walking. You either <laughs> walk or run ahead and get a penalty, whatever you want to do. And, you know, Hunter and them, they were pissed. And the, But then after mm-hmm. a while, they started realizing, like, what we were doing and what the intent was. And okay. then they started getting into it. And, like, on the long climbs, we'd just power hike and joke and make jokes and tell stupid stories and shit. And it was perfect because then we'd hit a downhill and we'd just fucking crush it. You know, we'd go down to 630 right. pace or something, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and then you've got the energy stored up that you didn't burn unnecessarily up on the, on the hills. Right. And that ended up towards the end when we finally caught the other team that I think was a big part of it because they were trying to run steady the whole time. And we were conserving energy because, I mean, if you've ever been in any of these races, like, you know, a Tahoe or anything like that, or where there's a lot of elevation, mm-hmm. unless it's a like true elite type athlete that you're up against, if you power hike and you're a decent power hiker and they're running, they don't pull away from you yet. Their heart rate's probably 20 beats higher than yours, you know? So they're waiting oh, yeah. for no reason. So mentioning the, uh, you know, one strategy of splitting up your lap and, you know, running and walking as, as one approach. What are your thoughts about this year's party mid pit thing? I kind of like it just from the standpoint, because you never know, like it, if you get in a bad way, two and a half miles if it's you know let's say it's midway and call it you know right in the middle of the loop um Mm -hmm. two and a half miles is long ways to be from your shit if you really need it you know and i also think from the aspect of sometimes it's just nice to mentally have someone there or to just go you know what i only have to go another like mile instead of three miles to get to like something, you know, something of yeah, humanity. that's going to reward me a Snickers bar or a cup of soup or whatever it is, you know? Yep. How do you think it'll play in this year with, with drops? Do you think it's going to, my, my gut when I heard about it is people are setting drop. people up to fail, that it's going to give people the excuse to drop or the opportunity to drop. And it's going to be more of a mental mind fuck than anything else. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I could definitely see that. But I also think it could go the other way in that maybe because you don't have to, you know, if you go to the one pit and go, shit, I got to do a whole another five, you know, mile loop. And for a lot of people, those loops are three hours long. Like, oh, yeah. Three hours is a long goddamn time. It's like that is a long loop. marathon to be out there. And... <laughs> what do you think about it? That's true. I mean, people run a marathon in that, and it's only five miles. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, imagine, like, finishing a marathon. They go, ah, you got to do another marathon. It just took you three hours. Now you got to do another one in three hours. Well, if you only had to do a half marathon in an hour and a half, it may not be quite as mentally, you know, yeah. debilitating yeah. to know that you – have some reprieve you know it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i'm i'm definitely curious to to see it i mean the truth is is i mean world's toughest i mean you guys know you guys have done it it's a mind fuck and you got to go in there with the mentality that you're just going to do what you came to do and it's going to fucking suck and no matter if you're the top guy and you're atkins or you're the last place finisher whatever your goals are there's going to be a period of time probably several hours during that race where you just want to basically kill yourself like it sucks yeah pack it up and go home <laughs> yeah like everything in your mind is telling you to quit 
There's no reason to be here. Like I can easily go warm up and go home and not do this shit to myself. And mm-hmm. you just have to tell yourself what's important, I guess, you know, like at the end of the day, it's just a race, but you came there to get shit done. You might as well get through it and just live with it. You know I mean? It, yep. Like in the military, we always had the thing is like, you know, quit tomorrow, you know, like it sucked today, but don't quit today, quit tomorrow. And it's always that thing. Cause it's like, yeah, quit tomorrow. Okay. Well, tomorrow's here now quit tomorrow. You know, it's like, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. It's kind of like those old bar signs you see where it says free beer tomorrow. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's kind of the same concept because you just, you get to the next mile and then get to the mile after that and just, you know, basically run the mile you're in like Ryan Hall's new book. But like, it's kind of that same concept. I like that a lot. Run the mile you're in. That's, that's pretty good. Well, it's true. I mean, for anyone who's been in those positions, like, I mean, I can vividly remember in my brain, you know, when it gets to that point where I'm just totally engulfed in the suck, I just look at one, I can't even look at a mile at a time. It's an obstacle at a time. It's just make See it to this next distance. obstacle. You yeah. know, I know, you know, just make it to, you know, leap of faith, just make it to funky monkey and just counting down one by one until you get through. And I think that, you know, compartmentalizing things and breaking things down is, is how you get through it. At least that's how I get through. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody does. And I mean, I tell all my athletes, even my high school kids, that you know, their longest distance, like in obviously cross country Mm -hmm. is 5k. I mean, don't think about the 3.1 miles in front of you, like get to the next tree, get to the next, like whatever grassy area i mean just get a hundred yards more and then when you get there go fuck it i'm gonna go another 100 yards and eventually you add enough of (laughs) them up you get done you know so do you feel like at this point the focus for for athletes is more you know the mental game versus the i mean how many how much physical gains are, are people able to get between now and worlds i mean in all honesty not a lot i mean you could you could crush a few workouts. I do some high intensity stuff and, you know, improve VO2 a little bit, but mm-hmm. you're not going to do too much in the way of like improving your, you know, fat utilization or things like that. But you mm-hmm. could definitely probably, you know, peak your VO2 slightly, but mm-hmm. it's also, it's also not necessarily worth it because the risk at this point is, do I go out there and try to like bump up my VO2 by 1% to, you know, get injured when Mm -hmm. you're never really going to touch on that side of your VO2 anyways in this type of race, like, unless you're doing maybe a sprint finish for the win. I mean, you're never probably going to go above 75, 80% of your, you know, VO2 anyways, you know? Yeah. Right. So at this point, the focus should just be getting the time in and getting, you know, the hours on your feet. Yeah, for sure. And up for the next week. So uh, what is the 17th, 16th, 17th is the uh, Mm -hmm. race. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit over two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, for the next, you know, through this weekend, which is what I'm having everybody in our group do um, through this weekend, they I think the group has a two and a half hour workout on Saturday and that'll be the last long big one. And yeah. Then start tapering down. We always call that. Um, so I, I was doing um, some I was com- well I was competing but I was riding a lot of like century rides here in Indiana before I got into OCR on bicycle and we always call it tits uh, time in the saddle yep. <laughs> um, for sure. and you just you just basically log that time and make sure it's good quality time out there in the in the field yep. yeah and a lot of it too at this point now it's starting to get to the point like not only not only for the like 
physiological adaptations and stuff, but more so getting familiar with the gear you're going to be using. Um, if you're oh, anywhere, yeah. if you're anywhere north of probably DC, it's getting cold enough that you could probably go out and test it in the real world applications. Like go out and jump in the water with your wetsuit, do a few laps along the beach or something, and you know, test jump in, and get yourself cold there. and miserable. Go back to running. Yeah, yeah, and get get comfortable with that and at least just know what your equipment's going to do because that's what happens to a lot of people they they get out there and they didn't really test their equipment and all of a sudden like they you know run into all kinds of stuff that they didn't expect and then you're kind of screwed because you you show up with only one wetsuit and it's the only one you got and it don't work well it's it, you're basically done yeah 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 there's nothing you know i mean I'm a big proponent of bring it, and if you don't use it, great. You don't need it, but have it if you need it. So, yeah. Leah sets up a yard sale every single year. I, Hell I yeah! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, and you can refine that if you've done it enough over the years, like right. that list of basically, you know, better to have it and not need it than need not have it. Then you basically have that list, and you know that you know pretty much everything you've got is going to be good enough. And at that point, like you have it so if you, you know it's better to have it but um a lot of people come in there i mean completely yeah. unprepared i mean and this isn't the kind of race that you can come in unprepared and expect anything at all well i was i was talking to some friends and we were talking about plans and nutrition plans and other things and wait i don't want to spend too much more time on wtm because we got other things to go to but i said one of the things I got lucky with my plan last year, because I, I feel like I had a pretty decent plan with how I went into it, but you need a plan, but you need that plan to adapt. And you oh, need yeah. like, you need to allow yourself to have like, okay, at some point this plan is going to need to change and accept that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with everything. I mean, the year we did it, you know, no one really fucking knew we were going to have a sandstorm that was like 800 right. mile an hour winds. Yeah, And, you know, in that video that, you know, someone posted the other day, like, I basically literally say that, like, well, I didn't, you know, we didn't, like, expect these 80 mile an hour winds, but it is what it is. Like, you just have right. to yeah. adapt and, like, overcome and move on. Like, either go cry in your tent or get the shit done and, and you know, see the sunrise and get through it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, real quick, before, before we go on to Sweden, yep. which I'm excited to talk to you about Sweden. Um, um, predictions for WTM. Uh, it's hard to say cause I don't know who's going to be there, but I know yeah. on the women's side, I mean, I definitely have, you know, we have a lot of athletes in our group that I definitely Aaron, foresee on the podium. Aaron. I mean, it's, it's, the women's field's deep for us. I mean, we have Aaron Ross who obviously got second last year. She's, yeah. she's way better shaped. She's way oh, better bang. trained. <laughs> she's coming in. Um, Shannon Fitzgerald who, you know, they just did like the team thing out in Vegas. Um, yeah, she's looking really good. She got 40 at one of the toughest earlier this year. Um, Aaron Colleran's gonna do really well. Yeah, I um, mean, we have like Sarah Bjork. I mean, there, there's literally like uh, Ann Clifford. Um, she did really well last year. And there's like five or six girls in our group alone that will definitely most likely put up 60 plus miles. And I think most of them should be able to get 75 if it's the, especially the weather's decent. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how how this year compares to last year as far as, you know, what, what role the weather is going to play. Yeah. And then, obviously, with the men, I mean, it just depends who comes in. I know, like, Javier is going to come in, and he's going to do well. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. Those is kind of – you never really know what – you know, he's kind of secretive. So, 
I don't know if he's going to do it. If he does, he'll obviously do well. You know, Last he told me he was planning on it. Yeah, yeah he'll those will be there. I don't think he'll he'll walk away from from world's toughest. <laughs> we were talking just earlier this week about his Cookie Monster outfit, and like I said, so for those listening, um, I've got a great costume for Halloween this year that's going to be coming out here in like a day or so. Oh my goodness! Uh, but I'm bringing it to WTM. So if you see a Pikachu. <laughs> Like, you know, you know, Lord I'm there have mercy. <laughs> um, Goodness but sake. I was talking to Mendoza about helping him out some too, hopefully. <laughs> nice. Good, good. Um, good guy there. So, so, yeah, I mean, just like you said, you know, we don't know who's going to be there because a lot of the big names we do know are going over to Sweden. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting how that shakes down. There's, you know, you've, you've got the challenge on the table that Greece is going to play a role in um, for the money. Which is this dollars. weekend. Yeah, Greece is this weekend. And, you know, the way the challenge is set up this year, um, you, you don't have to win every single um, race in order to win Joe's million dollars. It's, it's a points series. So Killian won the first race of Tahoe. Um, but other athletes have a chance to still get that money and it's going to depend can still on... go in for the money. Yeah. Atkins would have to win Greece. And then that basically puts he and Killian on even playing field rolling into Sweden. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a tough situation because Atkins definitely, I mean, he's capable of winning the trifecta there in Sweden, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like you have a lot of top athletes coming over. Right. Which can't win it at this point, I don't think. I mean, I don't think any of them really have like an Aaron Newell or a Ryan Woods. They don't yeah, have a, I don't they think don't have a that. shot. But they do, or... but they will disrupt Atkins if he, you know, if they beat him in any of the, one of the three trifectas, then he's obviously out. And clearly, none of them are going to go on. And I mean, I know Aaron Newell is, but I don't think Woodsy or any of those other people are going to go on and do Sweden, you know, so. Um, I think Woods point... is planning on going to Sweden. Woods oh, was talking he? about going to Sweden. Yeah, so... I think he's going. I don't think, you know, I don't think he thinks for a moment that he's going to win Sweden, but I think he's going. I don't so... know how deep they're paying out there. So my guess is, so Ten. from what I, from what I saw, the, like what you just explained, Leah, mm-hmm. so it's pretty much Ryan and Killian's the only two that really could win it, right? Maybe Albin could come in there and like he's not coming to sweden he has right, said he's not coming but okay. hypothetically speaking hypothetically speaking yeah hypothetically, hypothetically he speaking, could yeah correct i think it's just basically the top three because what's happening the way my understanding is is you lose a point from your placement so ryan is down a point to killian so if ryan beats killian in greece he and killian are both tied If he doesn't and Killian wins and Ryan is now two points down, which is going to translate to two laps at Sweden. So where Killian would have to do 100 miles, Ryan would have to, in that scenario, do 110 miles. Right. So, I mean, (laughs) the realistic chance of anyone hitting 100 miles is so slim. And then to tack on an extra lap. I don't know, but realistically, yeah, I, mean, I think it's just Killian and Atkins that that have any sort of chance. I yeah, I think I mean Joe set it up where, on paper, mathematically, maybe it's possible, but right, it's, it's two thousand feet supposedly per lap, 
So right, forty thousand total miles. You're doing, yeah. I mean, that's insane. Know, yeah, so, that's Everest two and a half times. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be even Atkins. You know, which to me, the only person that honestly has a shot would would be Atkins. Agree. He's the only one that I wouldn't count out just because of the elevation. Everybody else, Same. I would say, has no fucking chance. Same. And, and the I benefit think when Jacob here, and I. Sorry. The benefit I would say, the big one here, is they are at sea level. Baseline is like at sea level. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. That that brings everybody down to at least a uh, even playing field. But yep, in yep. terms of climbing at that kind of pace, oh, that's yeah. it's it's line in the sand, man. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It's yeah. and that's that's gnarly. I mean, forty thousand feet in, <laughs> in twenty four hours. I mean, Western states doesn't even come close to that. And like you know. Without obstacles, and you know, your top guys struggle sometimes to break twenty hours. Yeah, we'll Just see how insane. that shakes down. I'm I'm excited. We'll see. You know, when we record next week, we'll at least have Greece's results. So we'll see. You know, kind of what that what that means for Sweden and where people's goals are going to be. So okay, so realistically, Sweden, who do you think is going to win? Dennis? I mean, Sweden, hands down, Atkins. I mean. Okay. Atkins only loses if he hurts himself or something crazy like that. I mean, not only something really like, bad's gonna have to happen. Yeah, I mean, not only is he physically most prepared for races like that, but mentally, there's no one. I mean, none of those guys. I mean, and I know Killian's a ranger and special forces guy, and that's great yep, and yep. all, but like Atkins is just on another level when it comes to that like miserable, yeah. awful suffering. Like, I mean. I'm surprised he's not like Canadian special forces or something because he, I mean, he definitely could be Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't oh. recruited him at this point. Like, cause he's like cyborg mode when it comes to that stuff. And I mean, you, it's not too often you see an athlete who can perform at the level he can, where he can jump in a high rocks event and do well if he wanted to, or he could do mm-hmm. a deep, he's a hybrid like, athlete stadium race and then do yeah. a 24 hour race. I mean, that's, that's, not very many people on this planet can do that kind of stuff. No, no. it's it's definitely a different level, and we'll see. We so, will see. When him and Lindsay have kids, I mean, Jesus, like, who knows? <laughs> right? I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe the kid will just play the piano, but, I mean, it'd be funny. Right, right. Like, they How disheartening have would it be? be? Crazy. It'd be no, so anticlimactic if, if the little, you know, Atkins-Webster babies don't, you know, don't run <laughs> and don't do sports. <laughs> So flipping gears then, so, you know, several athletes are coming up to their peak race of the season and, and winding down, but the vast majority of people now have already or are about to complete their season and, you After know, CRWC. yeah, they're done. So now it's the off season. So as a coach, what does the off season mean to you? Um, to me, it means, I mean, it's kind of obviously good timing for it to be in the OCR world around this time of year, um, mm-hmm. you know, where you can obviously enjoy your holidays and stuff, you know, in the States, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. But, um, my take is normally, what did you discover throughout the year that you were not so great at deficient at that you need work on and then address that. And then obviously work on maintaining the strengths that you know you already have. So if you 
already know you're a great runner and you don't need to improve on that a lot, but you know that your strength is lacking in your, you know, your rig strength, your pull-up strength, anything where, you know, you need it in the OCR world, then that would be the time to focus on that. And really try to find like all the areas you're lacking and then work to improve that over the next two, three months. Um, a lot of people take a very short, uh, what they call recovery or off season, but I like to see at least two or three months where it's not a lot of focused stuff where you're, you know, you wake up and you go, yeah, you know what? I'd like to go out for a run today. I feel like going for a run. You do that. Or maybe it's a bike and, then you come back and eat a lot of pancakes and gain a couple pounds. You know what I mean? Like, um, because honestly your body's, your body's needing that. And it's, and it's, it's requiring that you just put it through hell for almost a year. And I know the addiction that comes along with like training and that you have to be doing something and that's fine, but just make sure that something isn't always hard or always like trying to kill yourself, you know, just, they can go out and have do that fun. active recovery. Yeah, I mean, when I would do my off season, when I was still training all the time, I would do it around whatever my wife was training for. So if she was training to get better for like a marathon or a half marathon, I would time my off season around that a lot so that I could do all my running with her, which was really easy for me and it was recovery for me, but I could pace her and do tempo runs for her or speed yeah. work for her and it would just you know, correspond together and she got a benefit out of it and I got a benefit out of it, but totally different, you know, area uh, ends of the spectrum. So then talking about, you know, preparing for next season and, you know, looking at, you know, planning for that, what is your take on, you know, we, we see it all the time in OCR, people are racing double weekend back to back you know if you want to in this sport you can pretty much race every weekend somewhere so how do you suggest people structure their season for the next year well i mean i typically you know you build it in phases and so obviously let's say like we do it like by the calendar year and we end you know now and we you know do recovery between now and the end of the year and then the new year starts and you start gearing up so let's say spartan for instance i think this year starting february um so if they keep with that same tune then you know you get a month or two build up um and then you know you can't expect to be at full fitness in february so that's what you saw Atkins do, for instance. I mean, some of those early mm-hmm. races um, where he didn't do great, which great by him was means he didn't win. So he mm-hmm. only got like, he only got like third, second or third or whatever. Um, and then you gradually build up to that, you know, throughout the year and then try to start like tailoring it towards the championship seasons that are the most important races for you. Um, and that can coincide with the championship races. Or it can just be whatever your A race is. So, mm-hmm. um, like in the marathon world, when I was training for marathons, you know, we'd train, you know, all through winter a lot of times and then try to target uh, early spring marathon. And then you get done with that and you kind of, your recovery is during the summer. 
especially if you lived in the South and it was super hot and it was tough training through those months. And then you would just get through those and then hit a fall marathon, you know, or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's more so just making sure that you're not constantly on the gas. I mean, when you're trying to train year round, like everybody does and then race and again you can use races for training so you don't have to make every race like if you can swallow your ego and pride and you know let's say you're maybe you are an elite uh spartan racer but let's say you just go and do an open wave just to get some practice you know run it hard but there's no pressure on the line there's nothing you know saying that you need to perform at a certain level um that can be good training but a lot of people struggle with that sometimes Those are some of my most favorite races, honestly. And, you know, I've, I'm lucky I've, I've, my daughter's kind of caught the OCR bug and she's been racing. And so doing some races with her where it's, you know, more of a training day for me, where it's a slower pace and more focused on obstacle completion or practice. And, you know, those are the races that keep things fun because if you're constantly racing every single weekend, you know, you're right. It's, it's just the pressure and just, it keeps building and it weighs you, you notice, down. Yeah. It weighs you down and you can't perform the same all year well, round. And I think like you're a prime example, um, uh-huh. Leah, you, you know, we're going on like two years now or so like working together and yep. you know, the first year I think you had like 867 races on the <laughs> Something like that schedule. <laughs> And then, like, you've backed it off pretty good to where it's mainly been, like, maybe one a month or so. Yeah. You know, I mean, some months might have a couple or whatever. But then again, like you just mentioned, some of them aren't, like, races. They're, like, with your daughter right. or a color run with, like, her cheerleading team right. or something mm-hmm. like that. They're not technically a race. They're not really so, races. Yeah, right. they're just kind of a training run, if, if you even call it that. Just something. It just happens right. to be a race, I guess. But, um yeah, and so that's the thing is, like, you know, if you can do that kind of stuff and, um, like I said, in the pure running world, we used to do whatever your specialty was. So let's say you were a 1,500-meter guy, then you might go jump in a 10K where you know you're going to get your ass handed to you, but it's a good training run. Or vice versa, right. you're a 10K yep. guy, you drop down to the 800 or the 15, and you know you're going to get your ass handed to you, but it's going to make you better. And you work How can I fit this in my training? Yeah. Right. So you work yeah. on your weaknesses, even though you know you're going to get your ass handed to you, like because you know that's not really your specialty, you know. So how many quote unquote A races do you recommend for an athlete to have? Yeah. Well, it's kind of tough. So again, it depends on one the athlete, and then two the distance or the duration that you're out there. So again, you know, back to the peer running world, if you a marathoner if you were a a pretty decent marathoner and you're say 215 to three hour marathoner those are hard races those are that would be like the equivalent of like a beast in the uh, ocr world for most people like a high level athlete in the ocr world so those are those are efforts where you're out there and you're probably north of 85 90 percent for two and a half three hours so those are hard to recover from um and it takes time to bounce back from those. So you obviously need longer recovery time. And then, of course, like, you know, how fit are you? So everybody looks at Ryan Atkins and goes, I don't know how he can just you know, bounce back. He's like Wolverine. 
and he mm-hmm. kind of is, but he kind of is. But at the same time, you know, the higher your VO2 max is, the more fit you are, you know, the better like cardiopulmonary, like, you know, adaptations you've got, the, the quicker you recover. Like right. that's kind of like the luxury of being a top athlete. You can bounce back way faster. You know, that's not to say you should just be hammering yourself even, you know, more because you are, but it does give you the luxury to bounce back quicker. You know, if you go out and run, you know, a hard five hour race tomorrow and I do, we both likely have completely different like consequences and recovery time that we need to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of it, just like I said, comes down to your fitness level, but also, you know, what are you, what's your real goals? Like, there's nothing wrong with, and we've seen it in the past. I mean, guys like Cody Moat and Hobie, who literally put all their eggs in one basket, and it was to win just the championship, and they did it. And right. Killian kind of did that this year. I mean, he did. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, I think it was two years ago or whenever it was. He was racing like an like absolute fiend. I mean, like seventy yeah. races, I think. And the higher but, your the higher your level. I mean, it's a it's double edged sword. So your fitness allows you to recover, but at the same time, then you have to compete that much harder. You know what I mean? Like if you're Joe Smo in the back of the pack, no one's gonna care whether you came in 112th or 100, you know, fifth. But if you're like the top guys that's supposed to do well, you you go out there to crush yourself every time. Yeah, I mean, this is wear and tear on the body. I remember the year Killian won first in 2015, though, when I was there. And he only ran two other races that year. Yeah, that was his introduction to the OCR world. You he know, did he Palmerton, really had... he did the Super, and yep. one. Did he take second in Palmerton? Mm, I don't remember. He was in the top three, and then he came out and won Tahoe. Yeah, and then it was the following year, 2016, when he went crazy. And mm-hmm. he was racing every weekend, and he had a great season, but... You know, you see the wear and tear and, you know, he talks about injuries and it's, you know, you can only keep up that pace so so long. And we've seen it time and time again with these elite athletes. I mean, Ray is another example, you know, when when they come out on the scene and they burst through and destroy every single weekend, eventually it catches up to them. So I want to I want to transition this real quick here because we're mm-hmm. coming here to the end of our time here. But I want to bring out kind of one last thing that was an announcement today to you, Dennis. Oh, so, yes. Um, so with all this we're talking about, Spartan had a big announcement today. Um, about the all, 10K all and stuff? The distances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. standardized so, all their races and all their distances are standardized across the board. Except the stadiums. Well, oh, yeah. That, you know what? That wasn't on the list. That's true. That was not on the list. But yeah, that'd be that'd be almost nearly impossible, Duke, just because of the logistics of it. All right. Yep. Yep. And understood. Understood. But sprints will be a five k now. Yeah. Supers will be a ten k. Beasts will be a half marathon. Um, and then the ultras will be a standard fifty k. I mean, um, I thoughts. I personally, I like that because um, in every other sport, I mean, in you know, obviously there's the talk about the Olympic stuff and whatever, but like, let's forget that and just say that we're trying to get Mm -hmm. some sort of standards and some sort of uniformity. Mm -hmm. There has to be some sort of uniformity, obviously. I mean, you have to like, you have to kind of allow people to know what they're training for. And 
give them a set distance, and then they can kind of train for that. Because in the past, it's been like a sprint could be three miles, or it could be seven, or like you know, what I mean, like yeah, just, you just never knew. And well, I mean, and it's not even just the, the other piece of it. Also, is is you know preparation. You know, you come to a beast, oh, yeah. and you're expecting it to be twelve miles. And- and you pack your nutrition and you plan for 12 miles and you're out there for 17 or, you know, 16, 17 miles. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. Oh, of course. And that's, and I think they're starting to realize that now. And I mean, I don't, this new David Watson guy or whoever, I mean, he seems to be a little bit Mm -hmm. more, you know, like everybody loved, like we love Norm and we love those guys. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like the truth is like, it is a goddamn sport. They were swinging for the Raptors. You have to have some sort of sport. I mean, it would be yep. kind of like being like, oh, well, you know, like the Patriots. Well, this week you're just going to like throw a rock and the next week you're going to have a football <laughs> and then you're going to like just like next it'll be a 50 yard field or a 37 yard field. Like you kind of have to have some sort of like right. uniformity so that people can like prep for it to some degree. I mean, yeah, you have you, you can still have all. I mean, think about that. I mean, if you have 5K, fine. You got that 5K set standard. Shit, you could do anything in that 5K. You could put a 5K vertical ladder in the middle if you wanted, but like yep. at least you have at least some sort of standard, you know, or start getting there. Well, and you're still going to have the variance of, you know, climate and terrain and yeah, elevation. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, there's still so much difference, you know, but when you talk about comparing, you know, that was always the thing that, oh, you know, struck of, me. Insider hmm. info, it sounds like. Uh-oh. Sounds like it's for sure gonna be Abu Dhabi for uh, World Championship next year. Uh-oh. Really? Are you yep. prepared to make that as an official announcement? Pretty sure. Okay, so I, I I will say this for the OCR community in the in North America, if it's really gonna be Abu Dhabi next year, if we are really looking at Abu Dhabi, OCRWC is going to be a madhouse next year. Yeah. So yep. for geographically challenged people, where in the <laughs> world is Abu Dhabi? <laughs> it's on the uh, Arabian Peninsula, so near uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, near all that area. So I I go there all, all the time, so I can actually probably make it a work trip. Um, but, <laughs> there you uh, go. I spend a lot of time there, but uh, honestly. It would it would be nice, like not just that particular area, but it would be nice if Spartan World Championship did move across the pond somewhere. And I know it mm-hmm. sucks for a lot of like U.S. athletes or Canadian athletes because um, it is quite you know financially tough to get there. It's but, taxing. Yep. But at the same time, we've been like over here on this side since the start of Spartan, and it's not necessarily fair to a lot of those other athletes and. I think that's what Spartan's trying to do is, is the U.S. athlete the best athlete in Spartan? And we don't know necessarily because how many athletes are out there that could be just as good as, who knows, right. you know, Woods or, you know, any of those guys, VJ, but they just can't afford to get here, you know? Well, we've learned through, you know, OCR World Championships, we've learned that the American athletes are not the best in the world. Now, you know, Spartan is a different beast. And while they both carry the name OCR, you know, there's an argument that a Spartan race compared to OCRWC, it's two entirely different animals. So, 
you know, it, it will be interesting to see how the American athletes truly do stack up against the Europeans out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very similar to how, like, back in the old days of cross country, like running. Mm-hmm. In the States here, we just run through, like, fields and stuff, but we don't really have obstacles. Like, in, in the old school, like, cross country, and even still in Europe and stuff, I mean, they're jumping over, like, rock walls and, like, hay bales and shit. Like, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like a... Uh, an obstacle course so to speak like they're like legit doing cross country like yeah not like yep. a groomed golf course like they're running through like all kinds of crazy shit so it you know we would go we we our top like cross country guys here would go over and get their asses handed to them because it was just a totally different environment so when do we think we're going to get an official announcement from spartan confirming this i don't know i mean from what i heard like they were saying december but um who knows? Well, save your Christmas money, kids, because it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah, I, it, and it, 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 yeah, and it's not a short flight to uh, Dubai, I can tell you that. So is that where you would fly into, to Dubai? Uh, you can fly into yep. Abu Dhabi, too. I mean, they're not they're only, like, two hours apart, but, like, uh, so, yeah, you'd have to fly into Dubai or Abu Dhabi. And from here, normally, like, I stop over somewhere and, like, Germany or Switzerland and then fly the rest away, but it ends up being about 22 hours of flight time. Goodness. Yeah, it's going to be a long, long well, journey. You know, it, but it is, a, <laughs> it is a great area over there. I mean, honestly, like it'll be hot, no doubt, and it'll be sandy, but it's it's actually a cool area. Like, and it's something well, it'll be a nice change from the freezing cold mountain courses. So, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see who, you know, if it changes the face, like can an Atkins or can an Albin do the same, you know, or Nicole Miracle or whoever, can they do the same there? Because yeah. how do they prepare? You know, where do they go to prepare? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be different. It's going to be a different challenge. And I think it'll be, I think it's good. I think it's, you know, it's, we've seen enough of the same old, same old. Well, I, I think that's it's going to be good to be different. That's what the world championships do. That's what the Olympics do. I mean, every two or every four years, you get a pretty much totally different venue and you have different, mm-hmm. you know, areas. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, you should, I mean, you can't just like yeah. pigeonhole yourself into one area where it favors a certain group of athletes from one part of the world you know, based on your demographics when, you know, others don't have that luxury. Right. Well, y'all heard it and we'll wait for the confirmation. So that's, that's awesome. So anyway, I think that coming, brings us to the, yep. Coming up on the our top time. of the hour here. So for athletes out there who are looking for a coach or looking for, you know, coaching tips or training tips, how can people reach you, Dennis? Um, on Instagram, uh, DW Endurance Project. Um, obviously Facebook and, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, not too hard to find us. Um, there's enough mm-hmm. of us out there now that, you know, anybody can find us pretty easily. Well, and from a, you know, personal testimonial standpoint, I have to say, you know, the best part for me, as far as the endurance project goes, is the availability of not only you as the coach, but the community that we've we've grown and we've built and within the endurance project, there's so many knowledgeable people, not just, you know, runners, but we've got physical therapists and, you know, nutritionists, dietitians, you know, just all kinds of different, you know, knowledge bases and, and just wealth of information available. So I think that for me personally, that's 
that's been the best part about it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely, I think, and that's what's, like, helped me grow the business. I mean, without me doing anything other than, like, just, you know, putting it out there a little bit. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, word of mouth is how it's got out. I don't do much marketing or advertisement. And then we have doctors in the group. We have, you know, like you said, physical therapists. I mean, so, yeah, exactly. So many people's done tons of different distances, 100 milers, you know, five-day races, whatever. So, you know, tons of experience and tons of, like, wealth of knowledge. But everybody's willing to help everybody, and that's the, the key mm-hmm. point. I mean, you know, we got people coming down to World Service Mudder next, you know, the next couple of weeks that's going to, like, forgo their own race and just literally help some of the athletes that's trying to hit big numbers. So um, that's, that's a huge aspect of it. Right. Well, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And, um, you know, thanks. Yep. That's great. For sure. Great yep. being here. Thank you much, Ben. We'll talk to you yep. soon. Yep. Later. Peace. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to Abu Dhabi. I I don't even know. I I I guess I know where Abu Dhabi is now, but I didn't know about ten minutes ago. I so so I knew, and I'd been looking at it for a while. Um, uh, I just, man, I I I talked about this Christmas money. No, not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I've I've talked about it before, and it would be fun to go and experience and do right. Just I. to Sweden and going to WTM again and just to experience Sweden just to say I did it you know what I mean yeah for sure um, I mean the, the part about the 22 hour flight is one of the biggest turnoffs for me because when you think about that I mean you're looking at a full week that you're gonna yep. need to take off and yep easily you know, I mean, I personally don't want to use all my vacation days just for one race. So I may for if, if it's going to live up to that level. Well, we'll have to wait and see if how it does the first year and if they come back. So you've never been to the world championship, though, Leah. I know you've I know. never been there. You don't you've never seen the lights. Leah. <laughs> I have not, not a Spartan. I can you know, I've seen the lights of of OCR world championship. And, you know, I like it. I love the international feel. And I would imagine that that would only be, you know, stronger across, I guess the pond, but we're not going to England. So is it a pond to get to Abu Dhabi or is it a full blown like ocean? You're going to feel so small. (laughs) That's all I got to say. To be honest, to be honest. Okay. This weekend I'm going there. I'm going there in Greece. Uh-huh. I went to so so my friends and um, listeners here. No, I went to Rome, Athens, and Santorini last year. Yeah, your pictures Athens, were ridiculous. Really fun. I've not even shared many of those photos. So, um, but anyway, a lot of cool photos from over there. But there is a place, my favorite restaurant in the world, oh. in Athens, that you'd have to fly in to get to get to over to Sparta. Um, but it's called Savas. And I was talking to my good friend, Amber Klein, uh, Amber Gettings Klein, and Savas is like this rooftop, oh, it's this rooftop restaurant where you can see the Acropolis, and I had this, like, meal called Gear Lutu Kebab, oh my god, so good, anyway, I'm jealous of that this weekend. Um, <laughs> well, anyone who's going uh, to Greece needs go to, to Savas. go to Savas, 
and take pictures and tag Jacob. If you go to Savas and get gear Luchu kebab, I will give you something from Vega. I will do it. <laughs> oh, y'all heard it. Tag him, tag Brociar, and let us see those pictures. <laughs> if, you, if you go to Savas and get gear Luchu kebab, like if anybody's going over there and they're like, you know what, we're in, we're in, it's in the Monstraki district. It's, um, <laughs> Oh my goodness. There you go. So good. Go there, tag us, get some Vanga. Get some Vanga. I I will do it and we'll talk about it on the next episode. (laughs) There you go. Otherwise, everyone, sit back, enjoy the coverage of whatever we can see this weekend, and we will touch base on next Tuesday. We're not touching base yet because we're going to talk about one last thing before we go. Oh, go for it. We're going to talk about human octane. Tell me about human octane. Well, Leah, human octane, we just had Brent. on on a couple weeks ago <laughs> on the supercast yeah and they are redoing a lot of their stuff they're getting out some stuff for next season and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a great product for ocr athletes and trail runners and we've had great success with it this season i've liked it you've liked it um mm-hmm. check it out human octane um the apparel sponsor of ocr it's good stuff it's real good stuff guys it's real good stuff um additionally this Thursday, we will be throwing out one of the last episodes of the Brociar Supercast Side Hustle. Who we got on this week? Leah, we've got Brad Swale. Tell me about Brad Swale. What do you know about Brad Swale? I don't know anything, so I'm going to have to listen to the show. Obviously. So Brad Swale, is, <laughs> he runs a podcast down in Texas known as Cultivate Wellness. Um, his father and mother ran a holistic healthcare facility down there in Texas. And um, just a lot of good stuff there. And we have a great talk about – so Brad and I met at the Spartan Up Media Fest there mm-hmm. in, in Tahoe. Ran the race together. Had a fun time. Um, we just kind of became friends. So it's, awesome. it's one of those cool things that you meet people over the sport. And he actually qualified for the first World's Toughest Mudder back when we were in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Well, don't give too uh, much away. We'll have to listen up. Anyway, check it out. It's a great story. Um, we talk about Ragnar. We talk about trail running. We, we talk about growing in a sport and growing as a person. And then we also go into like weird like stem cell stuff at the All end right. there. It's um, it's fun stuff. Anyway, check it out, guys. I'll be dropping this Thursday. Um, with that, I'm Jacob Bosecker. And I'm Leah Hensley. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Bye, guys. This has been the Bro CR Supercast, powered by Bro CR Media. We always love reviews. Oh, and shout outs too. Want to be on the review? Drop us a line. We know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there, but you choose to laugh with us for a while. So, thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.